It's Monday, March 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, it's Jason Moser. Good to see you. It is me. It's good to see you. How's everything? I got coffee. I'm good. Um, <laughs> Man, that, that's see, I, I've, I've golly, I've, I plowed through my coffee so early in the day. I mean, we're up at like six or something, and the pot's already fired up and oh man it just it disappears i feel like you'd have to cut myself off at some point or else they will get out of control just wait till your daughter starts drinking it you're <laughs> gonna have to get two pots um we we've got kind of a family theme today uh, but we're gonna we're gonna start um we're gonna start with this uh the stock market may very soon be getting an injection from individual investors. Um, This comes from a survey conducted by Deutsche Bank that shows people getting stimulus checks in the US say they may invest as much as 50% into the stock market. And it breaks out by age group and and probably uh, what you would imagine in terms of respondents to this survey over the age of 55 thinking, yeah, I might put a little bit into the stock market, but only in the neighborhood of 15 16%, whereas younger people are are looking at much higher percentages. And all told, Deutsche Bank estimates that as much as $170 billion of these stimulus checks could end up being invested in the stock market. There are a lot of different ways we can go with this, Jason. So, what is your basic reaction? What's your gut reaction to this survey? My gut reaction is, I, I feel like this is the sword that that could potentially cut both ways. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. It, it, it does, it feels like we've seen a lot of, of news lately that, I mean, with all of the GameStop stuff and AMC and Reddit and whatnot, I mean, it, it certainly... Technology has brought investing to the masses in such a way that didn't exist, obviously, ten years ago, and and I mean I, I think it's great. I, I I'm I'm a big fan of it. I, I mean I just I hope that we actually see people focused on investing as opposed to trading. I mean, this the first thing that came to my mind. I mean this shows you how I think, and this is for better or for worse. So folks, just bear with me. But the first thing I thought of was that Seinfeld bit where he's getting the reservation for the rental car and they don't have the car. And I'm thinking, you know, they can put it into stocks, but can they hold the stocks? Because that's really the most important part of buying stocks. It's the holding, it's right? The holding. Anyone, can just, anyone can just buy them. And so, I think that's the key is buy them, but then buy them with the intention of holding them. And that's what I hope we see happens. I would imagine there is going to be a percentage of folks that that do that. Um, I hope it's a larger percentage than I sort of glass half empty in thinking about it. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, I we talk all the time about uh, when in, when is the right time to sell a stock, and a lot of times the answer is when you have a better place for your money. I yeah. really hope people getting these stimulus checks weigh everything against that question. What is the best place for this money? Because for some people, it's paying off bills, it's paying off student loans, credit card debt, that sort of thing. But to your point, for people who are uh, younger, with a longer time frame, with the right mindset, um, a question we've gotten a lot recently is uh, some version of, hey, I bought this stock a year ago, it's quadrupled, should I sell some of it so that I can 
buy other stocks because people are looking yeah. for ways to. And for some people, this is a way to fund some additional uh, purchases in their portfolio. Yeah, and and I think we 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 look at this past year. I mean, twenty twenty was very uncommon for a lot of reasons, and I, I think that the market. I mean, it was a great it was a great year to be invested. Frankly, I mean, I think a lot of us feel that way. Uh, but but a lot of success, a lot of growth was pulled forward. So we saw so many different companies where their shares doubled and tripled and quadrupled. And so I actually think that's a very good observation on a younger investor's part to say, "Hey, I invested in this stock. It's quadruple. I'm thinking about maybe." pulling some of that money out and then putting it into other ideas to diversify my portfolio. I mean, on the one hand, we talk a lot about watering your flowers and pulling your weeds as as investors here at The Fool. But I also think there's some merit to taking, if you're, if you're a budding investor, I mean, take some of those gains so that you can spread that money out a little bit and, and, and diversify your portfolio a little bit. Um, and, and so, I, I think there's something to that because we need to make sure folks understand that 2020 wasn't exactly normal. Um, if you look at the the numbers, I mean, there's it's it's basically just a modest majority of Americans that actually own stocks. I think we, we see a, there's an April 2020 Gallup poll that showed about 55% of Americans own stocks, whether it's directly or as part of a fund. Now, you can go a little bit more granularly into that. There's Fed Reserve, there's Federal Reserve data from 2016 that shows that actually only about 14% of those families are actually invested in, in individual stocks. So, most folks are invested and they're getting that exposure via funds, uh, 401ks, what have you. And that's great. I mean, that's uh, we, 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 we believe in all of that. I mean, whether it's individual stocks or funds, I mean, it's, it's getting invested and staying invested. That's really the key. Um, but, but if you look even further back, I mean, 2002, was where it really had it. That's where it hit its peak. I think it was 67% of Americans said they actually owned stocks. Um, and, and then we saw that number start pulling back to kind of where it is today. Uh, the, the, the pandemic resulted in a lot of folks getting money into their accounts and, and really inflating this, this personal savings rate, which has been interesting to, to deliberate. It's understandable um, because we our behavior has been curbed a little bit. We can't just go out and spend money the way we might normally do it. And, and maybe that's where the enthusiasm comes into play for folks wanting to get that money into stocks. Um, I, I'm a big supporter of it. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy. I don't buy a lot of stuff. I, I'd rather I'd rather just buy stocks. <laughs> I feel like this is more productive and and um, in, in in longer term, uh, it's it's the better the better call. I think uh, so. Hopefully, the enthusiasm is coming from a place where folks are looking at the long term implications here and thinking, hey, I've got this opportunity that I didn't really have otherwise to really kickstart some longer term goals. And and that would be what I would be that that's what I would be encouraging these folks looking to put this money into the market. I would be encouraging them to look at it from that perspective. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Adam DeClerc. He writes, My wife and I have decided to allocate a set amount of money each month to stock investing. My question is, should we put the full amount into our stock of choice each month? Or should we keep some of that in cash for when the market dips a little? 
it's a timely question, given that uh, particularly if you've owned stocks uh, trading on the NASDAQ uh, the last couple of weeks, you may have noticed it has dipped a little. <laughs> just a tad, just a tad. Um, thankfully, it seems like a lot of this has been more macroeconomic in, in nature. And I mean, we're seeing a lot of talk about interest rates and inflation. So that seems to be uh, what is what is guiding a lot of, of what's going on in the market uh, right now. It's, it's less business centric. And that's what we like to see, honestly, right? As investors, it, you know that the businesses are performing well. I mean, they they don't really have any control over the greater uh, the greater economy, so to speak, and so um, it can often be often be times to to opportunistically add to some of those favorite positions. So I, I do love where this question's coming from. I mean, to me, um, I I always like I always like keeping some cash. I mean, I I don't think I'm ever fully invested. I mean, I think I always have some modicum of cash in my account. Um, Sometimes it's a little bit better than others, and we we talk about this a lot. Is it five percent, ten percent? What's what's everybody's a little bit different. I mean, I think I try to keep it between five and ten for the most part. Um, so I I personally like the idea of not f- not fully putting that cash to work and building up a little bit of a cash um, war chest, so to speak, to to be able to be opportunistic and and. Um, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I would not dig into the savings. I don't think that's what that is for. You've determined that that savings account is for emergency, so I would let that serve that purpose, um, and and then building out a little cash nest egg over over time will make it so that you don't feel like you ever have to really dip into that emergency cash to begin with. And so, um, to me. Absolutely, build up a little cash nest egg, and always try to focus on keeping some cash. Another email from Corey Scott, who writes, "Hey guys, love the show. I'm a relatively new listener. I have a question about the account that I have for my three-month-old. Right now, I'm contributing to a broad market ETF, but I'm wondering if it would be more beneficial to buy individual stocks for him. Uh, obviously, we can't give." personal advice. We can't give individual advice. Uh, I will just say, Jason, I would be tempted to keep it in the broad market ETF, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, I I think somewhere down the line, if you want to get your kid interested in investing, then individual stocks is a tremendous way to do that. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I, I would stick to the broad market ETF. For now, certainly, as, uh, until you've set up a, a nice base. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, three months, man. That's just terrific. That's uh, just get, get them started young, right? Um, I, I think I would probably take the other side of that coin, Chris. And it's not. It's it's not. I like where you're coming from, and I, and I honestly, I don't disagree with it. I just I look back at what so so I'm in this I'm in this same sort of boat. I mean, we have a freshman and a sophomore in high school now. Our daughters are 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 are, are uh, what 14 and 16 years old, and they've been investing since they were around I think six ish. That's that's when we really kind of got them started on that journey. Now we we had opened up 529s for them when they were born, so we were we were doing fund investing for them from from day one, just just from that perspective. But I, I will say that the one reason why I would 
jump into individual stocks sooner is because it gives it gives them that benefit of time. And the neat thing about kids is, for the most part, they don't care about this stuff. Like they, every once in a while, you can show them like what their money's doing. But for the most part, I mean, they're not checking their stock prices every day. They're not terribly concerned with what the market's doing. They're just kind of going about whatever's important to them at, at, at that given age. But I was looking back the other day through our daughters' portfolios. Now they each have their own custodial account portfolios. So when they're of age, they'll inherit this account and they it's their decision what they do with it. But they've been they've been investing now for essentially about nine years. And and this is why I feel like individual stocks at least have a place. Because right now, looking at they have I think around 13 13 distinct companies in their portfolio. They're sitting on a nine bagger, a seven bagger, a five bagger, three four baggers, two three baggers, a double. Oh, and by the way, they each have a share of Amazon to boot. And so my point being is that the reason why they got all of those all of those gains. I mean, those those are nine bagger. We're talking about you know, companies that have gone up nine times in value. I mean, that only happens really with time. You know, in, in an exceptional year like 2020 that that resulted in some some atypical gains. But for the most part, the reason why they've achieved those gains is because of time. It's because of that nine years. That nine years has given them the opportunity to just let those companies do their thing, and and they're keeping it simple. I mean, it, it is companies like Starbucks and Apple and Disney and Nike and Under Armour. And and so on. Um, so I, I mean, I, I think the answer is both. Uh, I think it's really fun when the child gets old enough where you can start talking to them about investing in individual companies and framing it like you're a business owner. I mean, what kind of companies would you want to be a part owner of? That's how we've always framed it with our girls. Um, and so maybe for now, sticking with the fund to build up that foundation makes sense. And then when that child is old enough, five, six, seven years old, to start understanding all of the different brands they see around them and and things that these companies are doing then you can start framing that business ownership mentality and getting them into individual stocks but i definitely think getting them into into individual stocks at some point or another is is a great move um, for a lot of different reasons, um, but 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 clearly looking at just what that time can do, especially so early in life when they're just not concerned about it, it can result in some really mind-bending gains. That all of a sudden, then they see that and they're like, "Whoa!" I mean, that happened, and I didn't do anything. <laughs> like they just see, and uh, it's 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 probably the most impactful lesson because I, I I can tell you, like our daughters, every once in a while, they'll they'll look at their portfolio, they're just like, "Wow." Just like man, that's I'm a believer, you know, and so we've we've got a couple of fools for life, and it just really started with with getting them in at a young age, like uh, like our listeners are doing. Jason Moser, always good talking to you. Thanks for being thank, here. Yeah, thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.